Well, last week, I mean, no, we started talking about the subject of grace. And we, we spoke about grace that causes me to triumph. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. We said that grace is not just a part of a greeting that we see in the Bible. Grace be unto you. And a lot of people see that and it's like, hello, brother. Hello. You know, greetings to you. Grace and peace. And, and of course, then you see like with, with those that were in the ministry, they included mercy. Grace and peace and mercy. You know, ministers need a little extra mercy sometimes. <laughs> so grace is not just something that's intangible. It's not just something that that's, um, has no substance to it. The Bible talks about how that grace can be perceived. It said that they perceived the grace of God on others. You know, you can tell a grace that's on other people. You can see a grace that's on other people. Um, maybe even in ministry or even in life. I see graces on people that that have things that I don't have. Yeah. Whether it's musicians, whether it's, um, you know, I, you see people that can work on cars. I don't necessarily have that grace, and I don't have that grace. You can see people that are good in, in administration. You can see people, many things that people have that are graces. Amen. And so... Uh, grace not only can be perceived, but it can be received. How many would like a little extra grace? And, you know, like we said, if you have more grace working in your life, you can overcome anything, any habit, any sin, any oppression. And we said that grace, most people know that unmerited favor is one definition. So what, what does that mean? That means it's, it's favor, God's favor to us, but it's, it's unmerited. That means that it's nothing that we earned. But just don't, don't focus just on the unmerited. Focus on the favor part. Amen. <laughs> but I like this definition. The Bible says that grace is God's power and his willingness to use it on my behalf. So what is the grace of God? It's God's power. So it's, as we said, it's not intangible. It's an actual power. It's an actual substance. And in that substance is favor to do us good. It's just God's power and his willingness to use it on our behalf. Wouldn't it be bad if God just had the power, but he didn't want to have the willingness to use it? And so that's what we see. A lot of people are caught in that. Today, as Christians, they think, well, you know, the Lord can heal me. He can heal me. I know he can if he will. Isn't that where people are? Well, I know it's God. You know, people don't doubt that where salvation is concerned. I know sometimes there are some camps that believe that. You know, well, we're just predestined, and whoever got predestined, wouldn't that be terrible to go through life, and you don't know if you're the one? But people do that with healing. People do that with with prosperity in abundance as well. So we said that grace reaches out to us. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. And so there are certain things, though, that grace cannot do. Now, see how quiet it gets when you say something like that. 
There are certain things that God cannot do. It got even quieter yet. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.18 that it's impossible for God to lie. How many know that God cannot lie? The Bible talks over in 2 Timothy 2.13 about that if we remain faith unfaithful and we don't believe, God remains true. He cannot deny himself. There are certain things that God cannot do. You know, one thing that he cannot and will not do is violate your will. That's another thing he will not do. Like Brother Hagin said, if he did, then he would make everyone get saved today and we'd go into the millennium tomorrow. Yep. Brother Hagin was holding a meeting one time. He said that this, this gentleman would run around the building. You know, the, the Spirit of God would come on him. And no doubt that the Lord did that and, and um, ministered to him. But he'd maybe done that the first time in the, in the Spirit. And I think every other time was in, just in the flesh. He just got up and, you know what? Hey, it's 11 o'clock. I'm going to get up and run around the building. Well, he did this, and he was a guest minister in the church. So if you're a guest in someone else's church, you know, you don't just control everything. He said, well, maybe it's one of the pastor's members here, and he'll deal with that. He said the second night he got up and did the same thing. Third night he got up and did the same thing. And just, you know, waving his arm, and it was, it was more of a, a nuisance. You know, if it's in the spirit, it's not going to be a nuisance to people. People will be blessed. So he... Um, he said the, th the third night or fourth night, he said, without even thinking, he said, I realized I was inspired by the Spirit of God. He said, I just spoke up and said, brother, if you pay your tithes, then shout on. He said, he sat down in the next pew. <laughs> he said, took all the shout out of him. And he, he, he spoke to the, the guy next to him and said, somebody told off on me. He said, yeah, the Holy Ghost did. And like Brother Hagin said, some people want to run, shout, dance at the other person's expense. Yeah. Amen. So God doesn't make people pay their tithes. He, he doesn't make people get saved. Yeah. So he, he doesn't violate free will. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it costs us everything, God will not. And that's one thing I love. The Lord doesn't just make us do something. He wants us to do something because we want to, because we love him, because we want to obey him. Hallelujah. And so if you're going to be, be like him, then you can't force or beg people as well. People either obey or they don't. So God cannot do everything. He can't lie. He can't deny himself. And the Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so grace cannot do everything as well. So I want to share this morning for a few minutes on things that grace cannot do. Things that grace cannot do, but I think we need to get stirred up a little bit first. Everybody's kind of a little bit of sleepy, so let's just hold up our Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's make a good confession. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I will be taught the Word of God today. My mind is alert. My mind is alert. My mind is alert. My heart is ready to receive, and I will never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Brother John Osteen, he always said that. He was quite the character as well, but he he said that because um, he was only five foot seven. He said, "Yeah, you know, that's the same." He said, "That's the same size Adam was." He said, "Where where do you get that?" He said, "I just made it up." <laughs> Amen. We don't know how tall Adam actually was, but things that grace cannot do for you. There are things that grace cannot do, just in and of themselves. Number one, grace cannot repent for you. Grace cannot repent for you. You have a responsibility to believe. How many remember John the Baptist came preaching and he said, believe the gospel and bring forth um, things worthy and meet for repentance. There's an action that we have to do. And the reason this is so important is because people believe that Jesus paid the price, and, and this is true. People believe that Jesus paid the price for everyone's sin, which he did. So then they think everyone will just be saved, and that is not true. Why? Because who's ever heard this, this phrase? Well, grace covers it. Grace covers it all. Well, it does cover it if you meet the, the standard, you meet the criteria for it. You know, there's different ones who, who have taken this uh, approach. Even a great man of God that I know, um, I know of, I've never met him, but he actually did the, the commencement exercise for my... Um, um, graduation at Rainbow Bible Training Center. And some years later, he, I mean, he had a not very nice church, some 9,000 members in the, in the Tulsa area. But he got off teaching this ultimate reconciliation. And basically, ultimate reconciliation teaches that everyone will be saved. Even the devil. Well, let me tell you, the devil is not getting saved. There's no redemption for him. But see, what happens is people take part of a verse. One thing you have to always remember is, and this is the good basic Bible interpretation, Scripture interprets Scripture. So if you want to know Bible answers, where do you get them from? From the Bible. If you want to learn about things that are perplexing in the Bible, what you think is perplexing, then go to the Bible. But, you know, people have taken that, and they'll take that one verse, and they'll say, well, God's not willing that any should perish, so no one's going to perish. But notice what it says, that all should come to repentance. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means that people have to repent. So grace is not just going to take care of it. You know, I'm just... And so what people have done is they've said, well, you know what? They've taken that teaching and said, you know, and I've actually read these things. Actual cases where people said, well, you know, aunt so-and-so, you know, she, she was a prostitute. She died cursing God. And now I know that she's in heaven now. And uncle so-and-so was a drunk and he, he died cursing God. And I know he's in the streets of gold and he's shouting up and, you know. Why? Because they take that, they take grace too far. Grace is wonderful. 
<laughs> Everything we receive from God is the grace of God. See, you may have been all those things, but the Bible says, such were you, but now you are saved. Now you are justified. Now you are sanctified. There should be a place where you were those things, but now by the grace and mercy of God, you're someone else. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I'm going to run around in here today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's only if people believe the gospel. People think that Jesus came. Now I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot a couple of uh, holy cows in here today. We might run over a couple. But you know, people think because I've heard it myself that people that Jesus came and just preached uh, acceptance. That he preached love and acceptance. <clears throat> but you know, Jesus didn't preach love and acceptance. He preached repentance. He preached, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, yeah, yeah, he brings love. He accepts us as we are. But, you know, sometimes people say, well, God just loves you the way you are. Well, he loves you, but he doesn't love all the ways you are. See, that's just religious thinking. And so, <clears throat> Jesus came preaching repentance. So, grace cannot repent for you. You must repent and believe the gospel. Number two, grace cannot receive for you. Grace cannot receive for you. Just like we talked about salvation. What do you have to do? You have to receive the gospel. You know, God in, in the person of, of Jesus or, or the Holy Spirit can be offering something to you, can be offering all grace to you. But if you don't receive it, how good is that going to do you? What's that going to do in your life? Not a thing. Grace, even though grace has covered it in the sense of grace has paid the price, you still have to receive it. I mean, people can holler all day that grace, grace covered it, but until they receive it, there's nothing happening. Amen. But once you receive it, then you can say, the grace of God is more than enough. The grace of God. I know people probably don't like this. But is it the Bible? Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes people, people, well, I'm, I'm not talking about here, but I'm just talking about other churches. But, you know, people say, well, you know, I don't know if I believe that preacher. Well, is it the Bible or is it not? Or is it just tradition? Or is it just someone's, uh, if it's just my opinion, then you have no, you have no right to believe it. But, you know, what the Bible says, it talked about those being more noble than those in Thessalonica and Berea. It said, because they... Search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Amen. That's why we read our chapter. That's why we, we feed on God's word. Hallelujah. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're talking about how grace cannot receive for you. Grace cannot receive Say this, I have to receive, have to receive 
what God gives. One way to look at it is like this. Everything that God provides by grace must be obtained by one's faith. Everything that's provided by grace must be attained by faith. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. Verse 7. For who makes thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? <clears throat> I think a lot of people need this revelation that everything they have in life they received it. Yeah. No, I worked hard for that. You received it. It was given to you. Yep. No, you know, I, I worked three jobs for that, and, I, and I, I, I paid the price for that. It was given to you. Yeah. But see, pride doesn't like that, does it? Pride says, you know, I, I pulled myself by my own bootstraps, and, you know, I'm self-made man. See, that's the pride of man. Yeah. That's the pride of life. Say this out loud. Everything I have, everything that's been given to me, has been given to me. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. But everything that we have, whether it's the revelation, whether it's the, if you read in the book of John, chapter 7, the Bible says they came to Jesus and said, you know, hey, how does this man understand all this having never learned? You know, Jesus maybe didn't have the, the higher education that they did in, their, in training, but what did, what did Jesus tell them? He says, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. So Jesus never took credit for one sermon, for one message. He never said, well, you know, you had to pay the price. While others were playing, I was praying. See, that's pride. That's you taking credit for it. That's you saying that I did it, I studied, I, I you know, I, you know, that's why you have to watch and make sure that you give uh, the Lord all the glory for everything that happens. Amen. And so he says here, if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? What does that mean? There's no place for me to glory that I did it. If we're going to glory, we're going to boast, we're going to boast in the Lord. So notice here, everything we have was given to us, every grace, every talent. But also the other side of this is, even though he says, what did you, what hast thou that you did not receive? You have to receive things to have them. You have to receive it. You have to receive grace. Amen. You have to learn how to be a good receiver. You know, a lot of people have trouble with this, though. And I've seen it. I saw it growing up a lot. Who's ever seen this? You know, someone go to do something, especially if you're, you're in a family together. And, I mean, you, you try to give somebody something. It's like they almost pull a gun out saying, no, I will not take $10 from you. You know, <laughs> don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, people... People get like that, you know, and a lot of it's just pride because they, they're not good. They'll say, well, you know, I'm a good giver, but I'm not a, re a good receiver. Well, there's a lot more pride there than you think. 
You have to humble yourself and, and, and be able to receive. So God can even be offering gifts to us, but we must receive them. I heard this, the uh, story of a missionary who had been sick. He was on, the, on his deathbed. He had returned off the mission field. A minister went to go pray for him. And he prayed in the spirit for two hours. Praying in tongues at his bedside. And at the end of that two hours, he saw Jesus. Jesus was standing there, and in his hand, he had something in his hand. He said it looked like some kind of bowl or something, or a bowl of something he had in his hand. He, you know, you can't put words in the English language sometimes about what you see spiritually. It's like if you're trying to tell a man what a tree is, and you, they've never seen a tree. What do you tell the man? <laughs> I mean, so anyway, he, he goes on and um, Jesus says, I've come to heal him. And so this man who had been bed fast, couldn't get up, gets off the bed, goes down the foot of bed, kneels down, and reaches his hands out. He never saw Jesus. He had, he had his hands and then he dropped his hands and dropped his head. Like, like an embarrassment or shame. And he said that he went back in the bed. He said, Jesus has come to heal you. He said, I know, but I can't. Anyway, he told it, and I think he ended up telling him that Jesus was there. He said, yeah, I sensed his presence. But for, for whatever reason, shame or guilt or whatever, he said, he said, I know he's come to heal me, but I can't. Like he said, I can't receive. And so Jesus told the minister, said, see, I've, with tears in his eyes, see, I've come to heal him, but he won't let me. Well, he'll be dead in such and such a time, and he was. And um, I mean, how many know that's not God's perfect will? That wasn't God's best, to die at 39 years old. But he, he, he made the decision, I can't receive. You know, people do that all the time. Well, you know, I've made too many mistakes in life. I can't, you know, I can't believe God for that. I've, I've made too many mistakes. You know, people even punish themselves. Well, I've made too many mistakes. I'm just going to give up on the dream God put in my heart. See, that's the enemy. You, you just have to brush those things off. Just like you get like a little brush and you, you, you do the fan or you do the, the room or the baseboards. You, you brush off the, and get all that dust. People have to dust off the dreams that's, that's in their heart. Amen. And there's too many cobwebs for many people. Why? Because they've let those things just lie dormant in their life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So God can be offering gifts, but we must receive. Look at this. How about salvation? You know, people, because it's been preached, people know that, that God's not willing that all should that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So, you know, if someone said, yeah, it may not be God's will for them to be saved, people would stand up and say, how dare you say something like that? Jesus died on the cross. Why? Because they've been preached that. Well, how about healing? Well, you never know God's will. 
Well, you just never know. God might be teaching me something. Well, when are you going to learn? You've been learning. For, you've been um, sick for 20 years, and you haven't learned yet. Well, see, that, that's what that mentality says, doesn't it? Well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just suffering for the Lord's sake. And, you know, the Bible talks about suffering two different ways. For your own faults and also persecution. If I'm suffering because of my own faults, then I'm going to repent and see how quick I can get back in line with God's plan. Amen. Amen. But see, what happens is people, they just lay it off on the Lord. Well, if the Lord wants to heal me, then he will. Well, if the Lord wants to save you, how about that? But see, people take a different course of action. Especially if you start talking about God wants to prosper people. God wants you to, to, to live in a nice home. God wants you to have nice things. Well, you know, that's just for a select few. And, you know, I, I just, the Lord knows I just am more humble. Well, you know, if it takes you being more humble, I think I'd be getting to it real quick. <laughs> but, but people use that. They use that to... Um, to, to not have things and, you know, it's actually false humility is what it is. It's pride. And so we have to learn to receive. We have to learn to receive. Say this, I must learn how to receive from him. See, God's will is always sure. His word is his will, but we have to receive. Never blame, and listen to this, if you get nothing else, never blame a lack of receiving on the will of God. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, it must not be the will of God for my life. No, you're just being chicken. You're, you're, you need to stand up and believe and receive Amen. what God's providing. And as we said earlier, what's been provided by grace must be taken by faith. How many remember Matthew, um, Mark chapter 11? The Bible says in verse 23 that whosoever, see, he, God made an uh, open ticket. He, he gave you a blank check. Anyone ever, you know, growing up, did your parents ever give you a blank check? You know, that's, I remember, you know, you can just fill in the amount and all that. Of course, it would probably have like the power company's name on it or something already, you know, so you wouldn't try to do something crazy. But God's given us an empty check. He says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says, saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So whosoever shall have whatsoever. Then he says, therefore. See, you've got to know what the therefore is therefore. He says, therefore, because that's true, I say unto you, um, what things soever you desire. Well, it may not be the will of God. Well, if you're in the word of God, then it is the will of God. <clears throat> he says, Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Is there a time that you should receive? 
Is there a time you should receive? Yes. And, and like he said, now, believe that you receive them and you shall have. But people think it's, it's like wrong or something to receive. God wants you to come. Why don't we come the, like Hebrews says? Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain. If you obtain something, that's the same as receiving something. So if we come to the Lord, that, that word receive is also, it literally means take. Believe that you take it and you shall have it. So there's got to be a point where you build your faith, just saying for healing. I see that this is the, the, the will of God. And you go over it and over and over it. And you just, scripture after scripture, you build that into your inner consciousness. And then you come to the point where you pray. So, so you know when you pray, you won't be shaken and you won't get off of, of your faith. So you come and say, okay, Lord, I see this is your will. I believe this belongs to me. I believe it's mine. And Father, I ask you for healing. Lord, I thank you for the power of God to, to flow in my body. I believe I receive almost, I believe I take it. So at some point, you actually, I mean, I, I just do it. I almost just reach my hands. I believe I receive it and take it to myself in Jesus' name. And for me, that settles it right there. So whatever you want to do. I mean, I got, I had somebody get real mad one time. They left the church and they wrote a nasty letter to us because I stood on the Bible one time. But, you know, it's just an illustration. If you need to put your Bible on the floor and stand on it, then you do it. As a declaration, say, Lord, I'm standing on your word. Your word is final authority. Thank you, Father. So the same is, is, is true with abundance. Don't, don't judge your life where it is and don't judge the will of God by where you're at. I mean, I believed the Bible even when I couldn't see it. Many times. When I didn't see it in my own life. You know, if we waited to see the, the finals, see, that's what walking by faith is. Walking by faith is you saying, I'm rich and I'm blessed. Well, you don't have two pennies to rub together. <laughs> you know, he, like Brother Hagin said, he started preaching prosperity and that God wants to bless you he had a pocket knife in one pocket and a dime in the other he said they went to the movie and and movie theater and gave um, his wife a nickel he said he started out broke he said so we can only go up from here amen thank you father hallelujah so no it's certain ones have found out what the will of God is and they actually pursued it in their life and then number three, three things that grace cannot do. Grace and will not do. Grace doesn't excuse us from living a wholly separated life. Grace doesn't excuse us from living a wholly separated life. Now, well, let's get into this. The Bible says that we're supposed to be just like Jesus. That we're to be Christ-like in our character. Listen to what 1 Peter says. I think people are still full from Thanksgiving. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. And that word conversation is not just your talk, but it's your manner of life, your conduct. <clears throat> 
So all of my content, conduct is supposed to be just like him. Why? Verse 16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. How many know that Jesus is our standard? As much as you, you respect a man of God, as much as you respect what they do in the kingdom of God, lift your eyes much higher than that. Lift your eyes higher. Why? Because if, if you respect and like something that's in another person, there's many people that put much into my life. And even, even now, I highly respect and honor them for their work's sake. But even at that, I, I, I look even above. And I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Hallelujah. Jesus is our standard. And our standard is, you know, sometimes people say, well, you're just trying to be like Jesus. Well, isn't that the goal? I mean, isn't that what the, the, the prize of the high calling is, that we be like him? Amen. I want to be more like him. And here's the thing. Anything less than that is less than, than perfection. And the Bible says Jesus was without sin. He was tempted. Now, a lot of people can't really see this, that Jesus was tempted. Think about, just think about the crazy things the enemy has brought against you, maybe even today or yesterday. Just random thoughts that come out of nowhere. You know, just like you can be in church and you have the craziest thoughts that come your way and you think, where did that come from? Well, that's the enemy. <clears throat> just, you know, for no... No reason except just to break your, your, your mindset. But the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. Some people can't, well, Jesus would never be tempted like that. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like us, but he never gave in. He never sinned. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. It's only a sin when you yield. Because see... That, that's how, you know, when the devil gets his, I'm not going to shed a tear. You know, that's the way the devil is. He'll, he'll tempt you with something, and then what will happen? He'll put a thought in your mind, then he'll step back, and he'll say, oh, I thought you were a great Christian, and you're thinking on that. And if you, if you, if you agree with him, you'll say, yeah, I'm just, oh, man, I'm so bad. I've just been thinking these wrong thoughts. When you realize that thought didn't come from me, that's the devil's thought. I cast that down in Jesus' name. I refuse to think like that. If he, if he brings it a thousand times, you just cast it down again. Say, no, that's your thoughts. And I've actually said that. Devil, that's your thoughts. That's not my thoughts. I don't think that. I'm washed in the blood. Hallelujah. It's like the man that was up on the skyscraper. He was looking down. And he, you know, he was way up there. And he's looking down. And he just walks to the ledge. And um, you could see the, the cars that look like ants way down there. He said the thought just came to him, why don't you just jump? See, a lot of people would, next day, they'd have been saying, I'm suicidal. So, but you know what he did? It was really good. He said, he just sitting there and that thought comes, why don't you jump? He just said, no, you jumped and walked away. <laughs> Why? Because he realized those thoughts didn't come from the inside. God wouldn't tell me to do that. And so you just have to realize the source and just deal with the thought. Speak like he did. Just speak to it. Say, no, I don't think like that. 
But one of the things I want to say is Jesus operated as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. He didn't walk as God. So that means that he walked without sin. We can walk. Now, people think this is blasphemous. We can walk without sin. That's the goal. That's, that's the mark of the prize. Have we missed it? Of course. Have we sinned? Certainly. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the very fact that we have to repent shows that we could have done better. So, you know, these people that say, well, you know, we just sin every day and I don't. <laughs> Amen. I strive for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. You can go weeks and months without sinning. I mean, a lot of people, if you say that, they'll think they're ready to throw stones at you. But no, Jesus is our standard. And thank God that there's, there's grace and there's mercy if we miss it to forgive us. But I want you to, to notice, I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. Just to show you from the book of Jude, go to Revelation and go back one book. Jude, one chapter, in verse 3. So we, we said that grace doesn't excuse us from living a holy, separated life. We're still called to live a holy life. And notice what... Um, Jude 1, chapter 3, verse 6 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Do you remember what Paul said? He said, after my departure... In, in the book of Acts, he said, there's going to be certain people that, that are false. False brethren coming in. Those that would try to, to destroy the flock and not spare the flock. Well, notice here he said, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now, lasciviousness, this means uh, lack of restraint, moral restraint, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will, therefore, put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. In the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. So notice that you have these people that came in. What did it say they did? It said they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. They turned the grace of God into, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing, and maybe I'll repent later. You know what? Oh, don't worry about it. We'll just First John 1, 9 it. You know, there was, a, there was a precious and a heavy price paid that we could be forgiven, that we could be free. And so we don't want to ever presume upon the mercy of God and just play with the things of God. Amen. So 
be holy even as I'm holy. And then look over in the book of Titus. I'm giving you a couple books, your, your Bible you probably don't turn to as much. Titus. I believe it's right after Timothy. Timothy, first, second, Timothy and Titus. Notice what Paul says here. Writing to Titus in chapter 2 in verse 11. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation. How many are glad for the grace of God that has brought salvation to us? It's appeared to all men, teaching us. So what's teaching us? This is what grace, grace teaches us. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. So the grace of God, and don't, don't misunderstand me, the grace of God is wonderful. The grace of God is, is everything that God gives to us. But we have to understand, don't think that I'm saying that, that grace is not important. We're hitting both sides of this. That, that the grace of God brings salvation. The grace of God brings healing. The grace of God brings our, our mentality. And everything, every, everything, you being able to go to work every day is because of the grace of God. You being able to function and being in your right mind is the grace of God. But we can't just, we, on the other side, we can't, Take that grace for granted. The Bible talks about frustrating the grace. About wasting the grace of God. I don't want to frustrate the grace of God on my life. But notice he says that grace teaches me to deny ungodliness. You know, that grace is, will rise up on the inside because you are strong. I think of that that tangible substance called grace. It rises up in the inside and it says, get out of here right now. You know, if there's a place of temptation, then, you know, it's like this. You know, maybe someone's had a, it doesn't matter what it is, but, you know, I've heard of, of like guys that, you know, they get delivered from alcohol, but then they have to go right by this liquor store. And, and they are dreaming about that liquor. Well, go a different way home. Well, it's three miles further. Well, it's worth going that extra three miles. And, um, you know, whatever it is, you have to make it easy on yourself. Make it easy on the flesh. Well, you make it hard on the flesh, but make it easy on yourself. When the flesh says, you know, do this, do that, you, you just have to... Whatever it takes, you have to cut off all those things. Amen. And so denying ungodliness and worldly lust, live soberly, righteously, and godly 
in this present world. So what does that mean? I can live, because the devil lies to people, you can't live holy. You can't do this. Now, don't try to just live holy in the flesh. I've tried, I've tried that, and you just frustrate yourself. You have to live it by the power of the Holy Ghost. You have to live by the power of God and the Word of God. Because who's ever done that? And you just say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to eat the cake. I'm not going to eat the cake. You know, people can relate to a lot of different things. I'm not going to do that. And so your mind doesn't think not. It just thinks cake, cake. You know, whatever it is, you have to program your mind. You know, even, even people, they say this, you know, when you're, you make these good affirmations. Who's ever heard, you know, people in the world, they'll say, well, just make these positive affirmations. So even people losing weight, they don't say, it's always, I'm not, it's not, I'm going to. You say, I am doing this. I am doing this. And, you know, don't just focus on, uh, I'm, you know, focus on the positive. Focus on, I'm getting leaner. I'm getting stronger. I'm losing 20 pounds of, the, of body fat. I'm doing this. You know, think about, I'm sober. I'm strong. When, when the devil tries to bring something to you, I'm strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. You know, maybe that's your scripture, or maybe the scripture you need is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever the Lord quickens to you. Hallelujah. So thank God for the grace of God. So grace, here's the thing, though, that grace does. Grace empowers us. Grace empowers us. I don't feel bad that, that I can't sin. I'm so thankful that I don't have to. Why? Because it's bondage. And so it's, we come to a place where we live free from sin. We are saved by grace through faith. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, but we activate this grace in every area of our life by faith. So that means that I can't blame it on the Lord. If something doesn't happen in my life, I can't blame it on God. I just have to say, for whatever reason, I didn't do my part. But you know, it's a lot harder to say that, isn't it? It's a lot easier to say, well, you know, must not have been the will of God than it is to say, you know what, I, I was sloughing there. Remember what Jesus said. He said, if you believe, you'd see the glory of God. Do you remember? He told, well, you know, my brother's been dead for, for all these days. When Lazarus, um, Mary, and Martha, and you see that Lazarus had died. Well, Lord, if you would just come sooner, if you'd have just showed up earlier, Lord, if you'd have just paid my bills off earlier, I wouldn't be dealing with all this. If you did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. That's what he said. So when you see and you believe, there you're not gonna see miracles if you give up. Amen. I'm preaching to myself too. We've all been tempted to quit. We've all been tempted to throw in the towel. Yeah. 
But thank God for the greater one. You know, even even people in the ministry that I, I respect, um, you know, I, I think of one minister, he said that, he said he's been there, he was there many times. He said, he said I was just there just like the, the boxer. He said, just throw the towel in the ring. He said, I was just, he said something would come and just hit me and knock my feet right where my head was. Or if it turned you upside down, put your head right where your feet were just a few minutes before. He said, and I just wanted to lie there, but something on the inside wouldn't let me. Something on the inside wouldn't let me. The greater one. (laughs) And like he said, you just get to that place where the enemy just says, just throw throw it in. Throw the towel in the ring. Throw the towel in the ring, but something on the inside of me wouldn't let me. Something on the inside of me. What are we talking about? We're talking about Christ Jesus, full of grace and truth. And if you can, like I said, if you can get enough grace working in your life, you'll overcome anything. You know what grace is like? It's like, who's ever put a beach ball or any kind of ball, you know, in the water and you you hold it underwater? You know, it takes a little bit of exertion to do that. What happens are you let go. You know, it pops up, comes up. Well, think of persecution as being that exertion you're putting down. You push it down. Well, what if you can go and, and push it a couple feet under? What happens the further you push it down? What happens when it comes up? It pops up. Well, see, that's what happens. Grace, you, you might be under a lot of persecution. You might be under a lot of things that attack you. But what happens is that grace causes you to triumph that grace causes you to go higher and go just like that that's what grace does and if you can have some of that grace working in your life and we said this last week how do I get that grace working grace and be peace second Peter 1 says be multiplied through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ when you read the Bible and it says grace and peace to you 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 know you need to stop and say okay Lord I need some of this grace right now. You weren't just talking to the people way back then. You're talking to me right now. Lord, I receive some of that grace right now. Lord, I receive some of that overcoming power right now. I receive some of that grace to triumph in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you are receiving this. Hallelujah. So we have to find the will of God and believe it and receive it. Many people are waiting on God they think, for the last 20 years. And the only thing that happens is time is slipping us by. But we have to just get up on the inside. I mean, I'm, I've been there before. I've, I've looked at my life. It's funny, as you get older, you look back and when you start saying, I remember 30 years ago. And then you think, oh boy, there's going to come a day when I say, I remember 40 years or 50 years. I mean, like my boys, they can remember. I remember I was two. It's like, how do you remember that? I don't remember anything except when I was like in kindergarten. But if we won't quit, then God's grace will kick in. How many remember this? And I wasn't planning on sharing this, but how many remember what Paul said? When the Bible says that because of the abundance of revelation that he had, 
Well, how many know that because of abundance of revelation, that's going to cause you to, to soar in the things of God. That's going to cause you to, to move ahead. The Bible says, because of the abundance of revelations, there was given me a messenger of Satan. In fact, I'm going to just read that real quick. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Second Corinthians. How many know that Paul had revelations? <clears throat> and notice here he says in Second Corinthians twelve verse seven, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, a lot of people have taken this, and, and without studying it out, they've, what they've come to the conclusion where Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure, they thought that he was talking about pride. Well, if it was pride being lifted up, then the devil, he wants you to be in pride. Then, then he's not even going to bother you. He wants you to be in pride. But how I many know the Bible says that if we would humble ourselves, we would be exalted? How many remember that? Unless I should be exalted above measure. See, God wants to exalt the church. Why? Because they will be the light. See, God wants you exalted in life, but he does, he's opposed to you exalting yourself. Those that exalt themselves will be abased, but those that humble themselves will be exalted. God wants to exalt you. Why? Because when you're exalted, the, see, the church has been put in a corner for way too long. And, and just, you know, you can just meet over there in the corner on the other side of the tracks and just, you know, have nothing. Have no say, have no end. The Bible said the poor man's wisdom is not heard. <laughs> That's why the devil wants to keep people sick and broke. Why? So they'll have no voice. They have nothing they can say. And then he can rule reign and reign supreme. So he says, lest I should be exalted. Why would that be important? Because other people can hear the gospel when, when Paul is, has a prominence. And so the devil sees that. And he says, because of that, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That's, that's not a sickness. Go on to read what it says, the messenger of Satan. There was an angelic host. There was a demon that followed Paul everywhere he went to incite a riot. And so Paul either had a riot or a revival everywhere he went. And usually both of them in the same place. And so he said, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Blow after blow, other translations say. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And look, notice what he says. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So no matter what you're going on in your life, his, his grace is sufficient. Not just so you can bear it, though, but so you can deal with it and get rid of it. 
Lord, your grace is sufficient. You know, you know, one person came up and said, you know, Lord, ask this person to pray. Lord, just take half of my burdens. I can carry the other half. Well, you know, that's not a scriptural prayer. He says, casting all your care upon him. God doesn't want you to have one single care. Amen. He wants you to cast every care on him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. I want you just to, to close your eyes and focus on the Lord for a couple moments. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Lord, it's your grace that causes us to triumph. Lord, I pray that every person today would be supercharged with grace. But Lord, that it's not just going to be something that people think, oh, it's a nice message, but never have it in their life. We thank you, Lord, that as we learn more of you and your ways and being like you, we understand that grace, Lord, is a heavenly materiality. Lord, that we can perceive the grace. Lord, just like we can perceive the anointing upon our life. Lord, that we can perceive the grace. Father, I just thank you for gifts and graces to be poured out even now. Lord, that you've called each believer in this place. You've called them to greatness. You've called them to go to another place. But Lord, it's going to take a couple things. And we know those two things. One is the anointing and one is grace. Thank you, Father, for the gifts that you've given to us. Thank you for grace today. Lord, we access the grace by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for graces even now. Lord, to even be poured out fresh upon people. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that you would help each person to recognize the grace that's on their life. Lord, and to learn how to cooperate with that grace. Lord, that it's not just a talent, it's not just a a knack that they've developed, but it's an actual grace that you put on their life for your plans and for your purposes. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor today. Lord, we just submit ourselves to you afresh. We give ourselves afresh to you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your plans and your purposes in our life. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace, Lord, that each one shall be accomplished. And by your power that's working, Lord, that even as that beach ball, even when persecution comes, Lord, that that grace causes us to rise above. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the greater one that lives within us. Holy Ghost, thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you, the the mighty one, the Holy Ghost, living big on the inside of us, <clears throat> causes us to go to other levels and causes us to increase. And I thank you for it. We bless you for it, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. And everyone said, amen.